Yo, dog, I heard you like platforms. Here's a platform for your platform. <laughs> Okay, so tell me about you paying for Business Insider. That's the only thing I, only way I can read anything on it. Is it is it any good? Is it worth paying? I feel like I don't know. I guess I mean, are they better than any of these others that just repackage press releases and to have the same headlines that everyone else has? I, I don't know that they're any better, but I i feel like they are i feel like they produce some some original content in some ways um a lot of the topics that we talk about have come from them so just being able to get access to those articles has kind of been what's driven me to to pay for them the uh the other one that i pay for the information um they're they're both really super expensive for what you're getting but well the information uh, i i thought that was way higher quality it is way higher quality and they have a lot more original content and they have um and it's it's kind of just it's not just headline grabbing stuff it's they have analytic stuff they have all this other kind of stuff with it so i do enjoy reading it but yeah i mean i think i think everyone out there has to pay for one new service at some point and you just got to pick your pick which one you you think yeah I mean, modern media relying on advertising just sucks. It does. It just has not proven to be a good model either for uh, accuracy or quality or anything. It just incentivizes the wrong things. I'm trying to think what I pay for. I pay for Apple News. I don't. I don't know what that really gets me. Doesn't that just come with your whole family subscription or something? I it do, it does. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm I'm getting it through that. Well, I guess I pay for that too. Same, that's the same way I pay for Apple Music and Apple TV and everything else is, yeah, is through that. I'm paying up the butt for every subscription service. Yeah. I've got this. I've got YouTube. I've got. Uh, I gotta I gotta cut some stuff out. What yeah. is this service called? There's a service out there that you can buy, uh-huh. and it just finds all all your subscriptions to things and suggests stuff that you can cut. Oh, that's kind of creepy. Probably have to give it access to your bank account or something. I'm not sure how it works, but I think it's pretty well regarded. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did catalog everything I was paying for in in terms of subscription services and it is a lot and it's not it's it's quite a bit a month, but it's not astronomical to the point where I'm like, yeah, I need to cut it. It's it's weird. I don't know how else to explain it. I wanted to cut back on things kind of, you know, cut back on the expenses, but when I at the end of the day when I did everything, I was like I'd save maybe a few hundred bucks a month, which is the wrong attitude to have, but it's at the same time it's like up. It right. does add up, yes, but I mean that's pretty much all me and my family does. We don't yeah. we don't go out a lot anymore. We don't we haven't been taking vacations or anything. So it's just these services that we have on our TV are pretty much it. That that's our entertainment aside from going to kids activities. Yeah. So it just it was like okay, well I can cut this, but you know, I've got a few. Um, I switched from Evernote to Apple Notes, mm. and that was like, I mean that was first of all Evernote is just such garbage nowadays. But also, it was up to like uh, 90 bucks a year, I think. 80 or 90 bucks a year for Evernote. Mm-hmm. So I cut that. I mean, my problem is, oh, I probably shouldn't say this, other individuals in my family who <laughs> refuse to deal with this issue of curtailing some of their uh, subscriptions. Calling is probably a better word. Calling? Calling, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's, well, I mean, I gave up stuff. But no one else gave up stuff, so I'm yeah. kind of I'm, no, yeah, I'm a little exactly. pi- I'm a little <laughs> that's pissed. I gave up my BritBox subscription and everything. 
What is that? It's just 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 gives me access to a lot of uh, BBC content or British con- British TV oh, content. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But I mainly watched it for two things: keeping up appearances and uh, the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Um, which these are all very old shows. Yeah. <laughs> but I mainly want, had it for those two, and I watched them all the time. Okay. So, but I was like, okay, we're gonna start coming back on some things, make some sacrifices. I made my sacrifice, but. Uh, can can I get rid of HBO Max? No. Do they watch anything? One show that comes on seasonally. So right now it's just sitting there. HBO has a lot of good shows, um, man. Well, if they, if you just watch one, then yeah, that's questionable on whether it's worth it or not. I don't know. They claim to watch all kinds of things. Yeah. So there's there's all these services, and it just it's hard to know. I saw this stat. It, I forget what the number is now, but if you if you look at these different, and I think they were looking at the, the streamers, including HBO, but how many millions of dollars they have to spend per is it Emmy? Yeah, Emmy they receive. Mm. And HBO spend is I want to say it was like I mean it was several times like five times less than the next one which was like Netflix like so Netflix has to spend five times as much money per Emmy they win on an annual basis. Yeah. Netflix is, or uh, HBO is just doing a really good job. I saw that Apple is planning on spending some number of billions of dollars for in-theater movies mm. uh, in the next year. Well, it's a crazy world. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how we got on this topic. I forget. I guess news, news subscriptions. But, um, you know, when I switched to YouTube TV, it was, I want to say, $35 a month. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, they've had many price increases since then. And I think now it's, it's at 75 or 79 but I, I, pl- I pay for the 4K add-on, which is... I think their list price is twenty bucks. I think I'm still on a half off for, for a year on that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's gone from thirty five to well, almost a hundred dollars now a month. Yeah, but all, on, all of so, these services. But, but on prices. top of that, I have to have you know Netflix because there's some shows I watch that are on there. I have to have Apple TV. I have to have HBO Max. I don't. I mean, and and I and I feel like I'm not even. I'm 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 having some discipline because I don't have Hulu, so I don't get to watch any of these Hulu shows. Some of them are which are supposed to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have Paramount Plus. This, this is insane. This is insane. I mean, the amount of stuff that just to get back to parity with cable. Yeah. No, I have all of them. <laughs> Except for Disney Plus. I was able to get rid of that. I, got I haven't had that, that for years. Yep. I was planning on bringing it back for The Mandalorian, but I just just didn't. I just had no interest, and I really, really don't have time to watch anything, so. Like we we were watching um what's this other Disney show that's new it's the, the Star Wars one um uh, there's a bunch of them Andor yeah. Andor and and that has been heralded as like the best Star Wars TV sh- you know TV series so far the mm-hmm. best one and my kids just like I mean they didn't want to watch it they were just got they were so bored with it oddly enough my wife ended up kind of getting into it and was always willing to watch it which is really weird mm-hmm. um but. Yeah, oh, Apple's got... coming out with a uh, Tetris show. What? I don't think it's a movie. I don't think it's a movie. I think it's. I don't know if it's a show or a movie, but yeah, it's about the the whole story of how Tetris came about, hmm. which is a pretty interesting story yeah. if you know the story. But... I don't know it, so I'll let you watch the show then. Um, it has to start with <laughs> somebody got really stoned. Mm. <laughs> Someone got really screwed. I'll tell you that. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it was a Russian developer who got royally screwed. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's no good. Yeah. All right, John. Well, let's see. What do we have for topics? Um, you know, the 
chat GPT. Do any of us have jobs yet or anymore? I think, I think all of our jobs <laughs> are going away. Yeah, I think it's interesting the the different sides that people are taking on this topic. And it was one I wanted to talk about because there's, there's some people that are just doom and gloom. It's taken over everything. Our lives are over. Um, there's a bunch of hype in media just, are just, just gravitating to anything they can and putting a headline around it. Well, it's, yeah, it's a big grab bag for just for clicks and clickbait and everything. So th- yeah. you've got all that. I mean, my Twitter, like the, the, I, I started using the, the, the Twitter feed that's like the curated algorithmic feed mm-hmm. because it was, it was like showing me interesting, cool stuff that I were not from people I follow or whatever that I wouldn't have seen. So, um, I've been doing that and, you know, ever since, I don't know when it was a couple of months ago when the chat GPT thing was released and everyone started freaking out. Um, my feed is full of these chat GPT grifters that are, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, yeah. They're just like, uh, it's such such twit tweet bait, I guess. Yeah, I mean, these same grifters killed killed blockchain. They killed NFTs. They're they're killing all these technologies because they're so fast at adopting and riding the confusion around them to scam people. Yeah. However, I will say that my opinion on Chat GPT is starting to change, and I think Google has the most to worry about here. Okay. Because uh, I think I think I think the world has been waiting for what is the next platform to take over. You know, we had the web and then we had Google, which pretty much took over all the search engine stuff. And then we had Facebook, who kind of gave Google a challenge. And then we had social media, other social media like Twitter. Um, but I think the next platform is chat GPT. I think I think it's going to I think it's going to replace Google in, in terms of a search engine. And I'll tell you, because I caught my daughter using it for homework. Yeah. And she wasn't using it to get answers. She was using it because she's like, I had to do this report. I don't want to read the. What was it? The some European Union website that she had to research. So she just asked Chat GPT for the information, and she got what she needed from it. It wasn't answering the question for her. It was just giving her the information she didn't want to read the whole damn site for. And it's really only getting started. It's just gonna it's gonna be accelerating in terms of quality. And there's there's already platforms springing up around it where they're just applications based on the technology that just sit on it mm-hmm. as a platform. Yep. Um, and I I I do think it's the next platform. Um, however, it has a bunch of plugins already. I guess that yeah. does mean it's a platform, right? However, it still sucks. You know why? Cause it knows nothing about us. <laughs> it knows everything and yet it knows nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, well, so the same, the same way you can Google yourself, you can chat GPT yourself. <laughs> yeah. It didn't know who I was and it, uh, only knew that we, that the good day, sir podcast existed, <laughs> but that's about it. I thought we did a thing where we asked it. No, I asked it some stuff and, and did, it, it just regurgitated um, what our site says yeah. and also what some other sites said about us. Well, that's, that's what chat GPT is. It's right. regurgitation. Yeah. That, that de- depending on how lucky it gets can sound smart. They sure. can, it can also sound really dumb, but it sounds, it sounds smart in the way that someone's speaking to properly, you know, it's, it's not a casual conversation. Yeah, no. So you can almost kind of, Pick it off. You know, it's got that uncanny value of just being too proper. So you don't think it passes the Turing test then yet? Uh, yeah, no. Okay. That's, I, it seems like it's close. I think it can be close depending on how, on how you structure whatever you're asking it. So when you look at the pace that this is accelerating at, I mean, it's already like I I've, I've did some things when they switched over to, to GPT-4. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, when you look at what Microsoft is doing with chat GPT, um, but also what Google is doing with their, their, you know, their separate technology, um, mm-hmm. and what Anthropic's doing and all this other stuff and how fast it's getting good. It, it makes me think now about Salesforce's strategy. So they're, you know, they basically threw in the towel on some of their, you know, a, Slack uh, AI, the, I Slack, guess. Slack is the platform, Einstein's um, the platform, and now it's... And so they're like, well, we're just going to do GPT like everyone else is, right? So, yeah. so that, was the, that was the big thing at Trailhead, Trailblazer DX. And I, the, the concerning thing is, is, you know, Salesforce is like, yeah, we, you know, we'll, we're going to have a pilot in like two or three releases. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, pilots go by and then after the pilot, you have to have betas. And then at some point after that, you have GAs. I'm just like, I mean, this is this timeline does not work. I mean, already you can use you can use chat GPT to write your Apex classes and tests and flows and stuff. And it's not bad. It can write you some LWCs. Hmm. Well, I guess nobody does need me anymore. Well, (laughs) and that's. I actually think being, you know, being a good developer going forward is going to be, I mean, it's just, a, it's a tool, just like autocomplete's a tool. I mean, it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, to listen, if autocomplete and, and if, if Einstein GPT being able to write a super, super basic, you know, Apex class or test, if that's going to put you out of a job, then, you know, you probably weren't doing anything interesting anyway. It's just, you know what I mean? The thing I wonder about the most, though, is how do junior developers get started? Or how do someone who, you know, the next generation of developers, because f- like the first five years of the qual- of the type of work you can do is going to be done by the computer now. Well, so how does someone get to that next level if no one's willing to pay you for that first level because it's free mm-hmm. from computers? Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's, it's an it's, it's an interesting concept i'm i don't subscribe to the idea that chat gpt is going to take over the jobs i think i I think think, it can be a tool and i think it can be a platform but i think there's far more nuance to to people and how we interact with things and how we accomplish things that requires at least some input from humans it is going to take it is going to it is going to end some jobs well sure just like not all the jobs but automated robots took over jobs i mean in in those ways yep but that didn't mean that nobody's touching a car when they build it anymore. Right. I mean, as as hard as, as Elon is trying to make that happen, there's still quite a few people touching those Teslas to, to get them out the door. Yeah. Um, there's only so much you can automate. Uh, and then you also have the other side of it, the whole design process and everything. Something has to tell those machines what to do. And it can't just always be AI driven because there's there's competitive factors. There's emotional factors to how you market something to a human that a computer may or may not be able to pick up on. Especially since we're so finicky with trends and everything. You know, how, how is the computer going to manage the trends? On top of it, and I know this is ranting, but on top of it, I mean, look at what happened with Twitter. Twitter became such a cesspool of just human garbage, of people that just had no fear of... of Title. <laughs> of, of anything. You know, these, the trollings, the misinformation, just, I mean, and that's what a computer is going to be feeding off of. I mean, to me, a, these AIs, if we, if we personify them a little bit, their food, their energy source, their intake is information that we give it mm-hmm. or that it collects from us. And we've seen what we produce out in the ether. 
in Twitter and in Facebook. And it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. It was the worst of us, not the best of us, yeah. 90% of the time. And that just speaks to how much effort there's going to have to be put into these algorithms to adjust them, to nurture them, to train them, and to keep them on a path that's useful. Yeah, that's that's the concern. I, and I, you know, what was it, yesterday or the day before, um, all these uh, people signed this document saying that we need to put a six-month pause on. Yeah, I saw that, and I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't either. I mean, I get the reason why, and but I feel like we've already screwed up. We've... We went headfirst into this without a plan for how it doesn't, like, I mean, we're at the point where when people start unleashing this, it is going to potentially destroy the web, um, destroy, uh, I mean, the whole, you know, the whole job thing is like, I don't know, I don't want to overreact to that because I think it may not be as bad as what some people, you know. The doom and gloomers say. I mean, we've had, we've had, I mean, there's a reason that you can't cookie cutter an industry product or you can't take Salesforce and just apply it to, to an industry without tailoring it to that industry. There's reasons for that. And And they're, they're not hard and fast binary rules that that a computer can manage. And there's a big difference between, Hey, uh, Einstein GPT, um, create me this, um, LWC and this, you know, apex back in thing for it mm-hmm. and it you know spitting out some super basic template which is great you know whatever mm-hmm. but it's another thing to, to say okay do the same thing but uh look at all of our existing code base and keep your code dry um use our you, you know use our normal test patterns and our test libraries and our mock data facilities and our trigger frameworks and like you know it, and that's even relatively easy for me to just rattle those things off. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's, I don't think it's there yet in terms of being able to do that. Um, but even harder is when you're, when you're actually trying to solve a complex and difficult problem. The problem with that is just describing it in enough detail to a chat bot is the part that's going to be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go to that effort, I mean, first of all, you're going to be, you're going to have some, you're going to be writing some kind of like detailed, human you know just prose or human language specification for it and then at some point it's just like well yeah just have a just have it write you the boilerplate and then to you know the human takes it from there it's just it's too doesn't make any sense at that point so i don't know and i you know i haven't seen any examples of it of it doing things like i just said it just no one's doing that yet they're doing like you know like i said create you know create me um a, a view application with a, a header and a footer and a, you know, and a blog functionality and, um, you know, create me an image of two guys having fun throwing the football, you know, or something like that. It can do, or, you know, or take these images and crop the people out of them. I mean, it can do stuff like that. And that's stuff that, you know, people until recently were getting paid to do all those things. Sure. And those, a lot of those are going away. The really basic entry level. That was my concern about, okay, so. If all the, if a lot of the basic entry level jobs are going away, which which they are, mm. um, how do people? How do you get to the point that you are employable? I think we're going to have to go back to um, the kind of internship model. The um, uh, not internship. Um, yeah, maybe it is not internship. Um, God, what is it? It's apprentice. Apprenticeship. Okay. 
I think that's what we have to go into. Back to paid apprenticeships. No, maybe not even that. Who knows? Well, how do people um, live? I mean, this, this. Well, that's how they used to do it. You want to be a blacksmith, then you became a blacksmith apprentice, and you ran all the grunt work, and you did what you could, and you worked your way up. You wanted to be a corporate executive. You worked in the mill room and worked your way up. Yeah. I mean, that's just what that's what it's going to have to go back to. There's not going to be an easy button. I have a degree. And I spent four years. I'm an entitled millennial. I want my my uh, Jamba Juice and my boba tea and my breakfast while I sit in in my meditation room before I do any work. It's just not going to happen anymore. Yeah, you're going to have to work and gain that experience so that you can be usable, useful at a high level. Um, and that's just that's just the way it's going to be. Um. Yeah. And for some of us, we did that stuff. For a lot of us, we we went through that. It's this modern generation that didn't have to do that. And it's going to be a culture shock for them yeah. to have to do that. And it, a certificate from a from a university isn't going to cut it because it's a, it's theory at that point. People are going to want experienced individuals who can help manage and and validate whatever these machines are doing. Mm-hmm. But there's other aspects to it. I mean, there's, I mean, we're bad at communicating with each other. We're going to be bad at communicating with, with, yeah, we can't, we, you can't just take a a customer's requirements at face value when they say they need something. You have to dig and probe and ask these other questions and get other people involved to get the real story. Is the machine going to, are you going to sit there with a 10 different people in front of a machine? No, I'm not sure that you wouldn't. I'm not sure you wouldn't plug that into some kind of chat bot and it starts firing the questions back at you. That's true. That's possible. This is very possible. But I mean, these are things that, that we, that have to be discovered that have to be done to train and nurture this AI to get it to a point where it is that useful. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, I don't think it's that useful in that aspect. I think it still has some growing to do to get there. Um, And do we as humans have the appetite to get it there, to nurture it like that? Or are we just going to kill it because we, we want it now. I don't want to pay this guy to do it. I want that machine to do it for nothing mm-hmm. so I can increase my margins. Right. And because we've rushed the technology before it was ready to do all these things, we're going to kill it. We're going to say, nope, we tried AI. It failed. Oh, no. I don't think, we, I don't think that's a possibility. I, right. I think I think it's a it's a thread, a possible thread in the branch of of the AI story. So right now, I, think, I feel like we have a global race to the bottom, is what we're going to be in, and we and we're stuck. We've already been pulled into it. I mean, we being like I don't know, I guess United States at this point, or the Western world, or whatever. Um, it it is an arms race, but it's an arms race to the bottom to eliminate, like. The aspect of humans we don't like, which is that they require resources. They, you know, and business is all about resource management. As we as we as we as we keep painfully learning, they're about profits. Yeah, well, can't run a business for very long without profits. It's true, unless you, you know, (laughs) rake your investors over. Yeah. Under the guise of growth. Yeah. But it's anyway, forced to deal with it. I just back to the Salesforce. I mean, I'm, the timeline that they, that they shared was just, I don't think it's, I think it's too slow. They need to get, 
I, I think the problem is that, and this goes back to, I think what I said the last time we recorded, which is the problem with some of the things Salesforce has tried is they were using, they were, they were implementing technologies that were looking for a problem to solve. What's the right way to saying that? They were a solution looking for a problem. Yeah. You know, and with Salesforce being its own platform and now trying to tack on a, another platform onto its platform. You know, dog, I heard you like platforms. Here's a platform for your platform. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it comes without any kind of opinion. And I think we've learned over the years that technology without an opinion, without a purpose, a predefined purpose is nothing. It might as well just be an idea in someone's head at that point. Yeah. The nice thing about the chat GPT stuff is that it's a platform and people are exploring it and using it and experimenting with it. You know, they're trying to see what it can do. They're hacking it. They're doing whatever they can. They're not sitting there trying to squeeze it into some predefined bubble of what it should be. So they're finding utility. They're making utility out of it. Who are we talking about now? I think you've kind of lost me. (laughs) Who's making utility out of what? Everyone. I mean, just about everyone has touched or experimented or created a login and asked it some questions at some point. Yeah. You know? That's a technology that people are are actively experimenting with, not because they want it to do something, but because they're curious about it. And that curiosity is leading to to ideas and, and things that can be useful. That's true. And I've I've seen people and I'm I've got an account and I've just I've just done trivial stuff with it. Um mm-hmm. but it's been kinda cool. It'll do stuff. Um but one thing people are doing is I saw some someone tweet the other day that the the way it's helping them the most as a developer is like when they you know start a project or a new a new task or story or whatever and if there's something they need to go research like let's say it's like uh, you, you need to go implement some kind of like OAuth spec of some sort well mm-hmm. shit I got to learn OAuth and the, I guess the guy's example was like he just started asking ChatGPT about OAuth and it just like it's like it's the best way to learn it's just like bringing you exactly what you need. It's a way to go research and discover stuff. Yeah. I haven't really used it like that, but also, I don't know. I actually don't, I don't like the experience they have right now. It's slow and it annoys me watching it. I think that's even fake too. I have like, it's like someone's typing, typing it out. It, I'm like, yeah. get out of here with yeah. that bullshit. Oh, look, it's the, it's the, the brain is producing it real time as you'd watch it. No, it's not. That's dumb. Yeah. It doesn't think in terms of one letter at a time. That's not how this system yeah. works. <laughs> it's, that's not even how we think at all. No, just, I know. It's just dumb. It's like, what do you, you have, you have the most advanced LLM in the world, but you know, you're communicating over a 300 baud modem here. Or what's, mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of the good old slow BBS days. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is an, it is an interesting topic and one to keep, keep our eyes on and keep talking about in the future. Uh, it's still early days, but yeah, it definitely has caught everyone's attention. And I think what scares people the most is that it has easily found some utility pretty quickly. It's not that it's that it's there or that it exists. It says that people have found utility with it, and that's what scares them. Yeah, that it, they found a good use for it really quickly, very easily, and that's the sign of a really great tool. But with all tools, you got to use them properly. You know, I just wonder how long you know, it's going to be before like managers, I would say of various levels getting pressure to use this tooling 
to get to market faster, minimize costs, costs, minimize headcount, stuff like that. I mean, already, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's already happening. The yeah. bigger organizations, it's, it's going to be more difficult because there's, I think there's still legal issues to be dealt with, mm-hmm. with um, these LLMs. I mean, I, 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 I think there will be cases of that because there's some very greedy people out there who will do anything to, to make a buck. Dude, first time someone doesn't finish their sprint on time or whatever, it, the manager's <laughs> going to be like, well, are you, are you using ChatGPT yet? Because I see your guys over there's kind of like struggling, writing code. We need to, we need to be using the, the new tools. Well, I mean, it, it's going to make it easier for bad companies and bad managers to, to continue to, to do make bad decisions. Um, if your team isn't performing well and they're not able to do the job, are you training them properly? Are you giving them proper requirements? Were they even right for the job to start with? Yeah. Or did you just hire someone because they met your, I'm going to pay you 20 grand a year to be a senior developer? Is it a bad project with bad assumptions and bad expectations? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to go into it that they can justify. Yeah. But that's a sign of a bad company and bad management. And I, I want to think that there's better people out there and better companies out there that value people more than that. And I think we've seen things that, that have been automated that just fail. I mean, th- these, you know, everything from about Carvana's dumb card dispenser machine and they're, <laughs> they are so screwed right now. Yeah. Um, they got mo- mostly screwed more recently when Tesla dropped all their prices across the board. It immediately just like wiped out because they're, they're so Tesla heavy, this Carvana company. Mm-hmm. And it just like destroyed their inventory. They had huge inventory of Tesla's. Oh, and wow. now they can't sell them for what they bought them for instantly overnight. Well, they better take care of them because those things are exploding left and right, too. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't know. My wife, every time she, I don't know why, but she's got this thing about finding, not finding, but I guess they show up on her Facebook feed or something. But it seems like every other day she's showing me a picture of some Tesla that blows up and knocks somebody down. I mean, they, they, there's, uh, there's hundreds of thousands of them out there. So they're, you know, they're going to they're gonna have some incidents here. I think the yeah. biggest problem is uh, in areas that can flood. If these things get wet, that's when they'll catch on fire. And water doesn't put the fire out. That's the that's the the double whammy of mm. if if it does get like let's say it gets flooded or you know someone tries to drive through a, some high water and gets stuck or whatever car just sits there eventually it's going to catch that because this, I don't know why the battery works or whatever it, it's going to catch it on fire and the and the water won't put it out like these um, I've seen many stories of these uh, like the fire um, uh, firefighters fire stations whatever they're um, they will not they don't even attempt to put these out anymore mm. they just let them burn out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's probably what you have to do it's a safer thing to do than it might to. be yeah it's, i don't know because i mean yeah i don't know what's in those batteries i mean i know they're lithium batteries but i don't know what they've done to them or, or whatever what chemicals in them if adding water not only ex- accelerates the flame but also allows it to spread i mean you might just have to let it just fizzle out but but i think i think those stories are exact i mean it, i don't want to say they're exaggerated but the in our head um, the problem is blown out of proportion. Yeah. Like in terms, in terms of just the occurrences. Yeah. You know? But popping the stack on that, I think my point is that, that we've tried automation in a lot of different ways. We're using a lot of different tools and it just hasn't worked out for humans in general. It doesn't, it hasn't worked out for the, the connections that we're trying to make with each other. Um, it always comes down to, I mean, it, you mean for a while they're like your call centers were all automated with voice things. And then those terrible. were so bad. They started having people with little keyboard buttons that would press buttons and it would say certain words to try to 
fix the problems of how bad those were. But even that was bad. And now companies are advertising, oh, we don't use automated services we, or we don't use outsourcing services. We're all internal. We all, you're just talking to a real person. That's a mm-hmm. selling point now. Mm-hmm. And I think that might happen. We might lose a ton of jobs because of AI and eventually to come back around that it was a bad idea to automate that one particular thing. And we're going to start getting advertisements of we don't use AI. You're going to talk to a real person. Yeah. Or there was, I don't know if it was, I think it was a YouTube video. Maybe it was a YouTube short video that I saw it on, but this guy was talking to a, to a chat window on a website and the guy chatting says, is this a bot? And the guy, the guy who's on the other end says, no, I'm not a bot. And says, that sounds like something a bot would say. And the conversation keeps going on and gone. And he goes, well, prove that you're not a bot or something like that. Or I don't remember. And the guy, it's just basically like this chat. Come on, just look at this chat. This is not something a bot would keep doing. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, how would you prove you're not a bot? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's hard not to, but I mean, because now the, you know, the, this AI, I mean, it's going to be able to get past any of these bot detectors. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's that dark side to it, but yeah. I don't know. I don't want to focus too much on the bad side of it. I, I just think, I just think we're not, the world is not ready. We're not ready for this. It's going to be weaponized by, you know, enemies of the state. And I'm, <laughs> I mean, no, it totally is. That's what I'm saying. They could completely fill the web with, um, to fake news, basically. Well, yeah. And and then, I mean, we, but then it taints our actual knowledge base as humans. I mean, our knowledge base you know, is, is, is the web and Wikipedia. And when it just is, infiltrating whether intentionally due to bad actors or unintentionally because shit just gets out of control and now you now you know you can't tell facts from fiction and you you know you can't you're looking at a video of uh maybe the you know the president of your country giving some speech and you can't you don't know whether it's whether it's deep fake or not i mean oh that happened that happened recently no it's gonna get way worse real fast there there was a recent and i'm not trying to get political but there was a recent event of a certain president who made some comments before a very serious press conference and my first thought was are you sure that's not a deep fake yeah because that that doesn't seem right at all. Right. I know. But that's something we have to ask now. I know. Is not only do we have to ask is is it misinformation? It's is that ju- is that just not a deep fake? Well, just like prove you're not a bot. Now they're going to say, well, prove you weren't at this party where people were doing this bad thing or whatever. It's oh like, yeah. How do I do that? That was 35 years ago. How do I prove I was you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we just have to believe in people and believe that people are going to make do the right thing when it counts. Well, we should probably move on. What what are your what's on your mind this week, John? Yeah, uh, well, I finally got the results back to my uh, JetBrain survey. We could go through that, or I could say that for later because oh, it's not okay. timely, depending on how much time you have. Uh, we could talk about Salesforce and getting ready to do more layoffs. That's kind of a downer. <sighs> the long goodbye continues. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, maybe let's do the survey since we're yeah. limited on time. We'll just do the survey. Yeah, uh, so this survey, I can't really share the link because it's tailored to me based on responses that I made. Oh. However, the way they asked the questions, the way I responded to them kind of skewed these results. Like, for instance, it says here that I used eight different programming languages last year, which is more than over half of the developers worldwide use. I was like 30% on six to eight languages. I'm like, that may sound impressive, but it's like JavaScript, CSS, uh, C sharp, Apex, you know, it's all these, I don't want to say little languages, but there's a lot of little things that you touch throughout the year that it just makes it seem like I'm this oh yeah, multilingual programmer. And I'm like, I'm not, dude. God, I can remember <laughs> uh, this one guy that was a company that you and I used to do work for. 
but they hired, you know, they, they got to the point where they're like, we need to hire our own like CIO or whatever he was. Mm. And guy was a complete effing idiot. And, but he was like, I remember he came in and like, I know 12 programming languages. I'm like, well, first of all, if you're such a seasoned CIO, you no seasoned CIO would actually walk in and literally say something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no humility, just come in bragging, like, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That his, his identity was tied to how many programming languages he <laughs> knew. They're probably like all dead, too. Yeah. I mean, well, I think first, I saw of all, it was a, first of all, it was a complete lie. The guy didn't know one programming language. Yeah. I think I saw an interview with an old school programmer. I don't remember who it was, but he was pretty well known. And um, he, he said it in an act of humility and, and, and as a joking way. He's like, yeah, I know like X number of languages, but half of them are dead. <laughs> you know, it was it was used as a as a, you know. As, a, as a, in a joking humility way, which I found was funny and endearing. I feel like we don't let languages die, though. You know, COBOL still kicking. Um, yeah. What's um, small talk still kicking? Yeah, there's a lot of things out there. Basic is, I mean, I, it was basic was in the news. Like, basic's not going anywhere. They're doing all this stuff with basic now. They were supposed to all be killed by 2000, the year 2000, but that didn't happen. Man, you said the, two, you said the year 2000 last week, and it made me think, I've got to get that Conan the Conan, and I needed that on the soundboard. Do you remember when um, Andy Richter used to sing the In the Year 2000 song and they would do like this skit? No. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I have to find that. <laughs> this was in, this is, it was like the late 90s, which some people listening to this podcast probably weren't even alive then. That's crazy. Mm. Um, so the year 2000 went that far off, but they would do this stupid skit where they would like dim the lights and Andy would sing In the Year 2000 or something. I don't forget who, no, who sung that? I almost feel like no, I hear it in my head, but I don't. Any, anyway, you'll you'll probably recognize it. I'll I'll find it. Um, but they would be like in the year two thousand, like, and they would make some ridiculous prediction. It's like only mm. like a year or two away, and they're like, <laughs> you know, cars will fly, and like you know, <laughs> there will be no need for hospitals or something. You know, I used to think <laughs> a lot about flying cars until I realized there's no practicality in them. What's funny, you know, that was how long ago now? Twenty three years ago, twenty five years ago, they did that skit, and like. Yeah. We're not even close. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe a chat GPT is the most advanced thing, the most impressive thing we've done since in the past 25 maybe years. Chat GPT will finally give us our flying cars, although they're not. Anyways, anyway, so it's, it's, uh, this survey said that my primary language that I use, uh, along is JavaScript, which I guess has become true these days since I, this is your primary language. Yeah. How does it know this? Just based on how I answered these questions that okay. it gave me. And it was a pretty long survey. Um, Again, I don't remember the questions because it was almost a year ago, but according to this, wow. you know, JavaScript is my primary language, okay. which is kind of sad since I hate the web, ah. but <laughs> uh, this was weird and I don't know how it got this, but it said, uh, I, you primarily use VS code along with 50% of, of developers, IntelliJ along with 37%. I'm like, I barely use VS code. I think I might've answered a question that, yeah, I, I'm aware of it and I've used it, but my primary is intellij so mm. i don't know where it got that uh oh uh it said 90 percent, 96 percent of developers extend their ide their uh, javascript developers extend their ides with plugins which is true okay everyone's using some kind of plug i could not have a plugin i know and it was what? just it was just like a really obvious thing yeah <laughs> Okay. Uh, 23% of JavaScript developers develop on Mac OS. 26%? 23%. 20, at least okay. of those that answered this survey. Yeah. Um, 
This one was weird. I'm a native speaker. 92% of American developers speak the same language both at home and at work, just like you. Can we can we go to the previous one about mm-hmm. uh, what was it they use Max? Was mm-hmm. that is that a certain country or is that worldwide? It just it just of the survey population, uh, 23% of JavaScript developers develop only on Mac OS along with you. Okay. Uh, you are more experienced than 73% developers in the United States. I'm awesome. Wow. That's just by age because I've been programming for over 16 years. That doesn't mean I've been programming good for 16 right, years, yeah. but I'm old. Yes. I'm very old. Like, I don't think this survey goes any higher than this number. <laughs> that's how old I am. Um, you're more experienced than 70% of senior developers, which I don't know what that means, but I no guess, one knows what that means. You know, I guess, but I'm awesome. I'll take that number. Yep. Uh, you are fully employed, like 60% of JavaScript developers in the United States. So I guess that's opposed to partially employed contractor, freelance and things like that. Mm. So, uh, no road is long with, oh, 13% of JavaScript developers work in a company with two to 10 people like you do. So I'm, I'm actually apparently these much larger shops, JavaScript developers. And again, this is tailored because it thinks I'm a JavaScript developer. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like this. I'm actually not enjoying this. These survey results here. <laughs> uh, let's see if there's anything more interesting. Uh, you develop websites like 78% of the population utilities, like 32% and storage data storage, like 22% of JavaScript developers. So website utilities and database storage are the things I work on. Apparently. Hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything else that's too interesting. Oh, your team uses Kanban like 25, 24% of teams and companies the same size as you. And that's because I answered the question of, I use Asana in Kanban. Mode. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, it goes on a lot of things. You're, you're turning away, so I'm guessing these, these aren't all that interesting. But those are the results I got. I was hoping they'd be more interesting, but they were tailored to me. Um, I don't know how I got some of this stuff based on the questions I answered, because they weren't this direct. Like, I wouldn't have keyed myself as being a JavaScript This developer. is And this is... JetBrains' survey? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is their first time doing this style of survey. I thought it was just going to be one of their one of their general developer surveys, but this one tried to be, we're going to take your your survey answers and bounce it against all the others that, that answer these surveys and curate it to, to you. I mean, for them, it's just, this is basically like free market research because yeah. they need this information to know what products to build and where they can make money and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they just got everyone to do their survey for free, basically. It's smart. I do surveys. They're smart people. I, I do surveys. Yeah, I, I generally don't. Very, very rarely. I don't mind doing surveys. If I got the time and it's it's with a company that I frequent, I'll, I'll do their surveys. Um, I was going to just mention this. Are we done with the survey? Sure. Um, one of the things that you were working on um, that had uh, it was I, I learned some CSS things. It was this. There, there's a spec called generated content for paged media. It's separate from the paged media spec, or which is on like level two or three now. It's generated content for paged media, um, and it's how you can define like, again in, in page media, it's like PDFs or printed things, mm-hmm. right? Um, you can define. Like area, like the it's. I think it's most commonly used for like headers and footers and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can kind of define those areas, but then it 
CSS can, can basically kind of dynamically generate content depending on like the information on the page or information about the page, stuff like that. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But so I learned something on that. I'd still, it's very confusing to me, but I couldn't believe that Salesforce's visual force PDF renderer supports that. Oh, I know. What you're Holy about. crap. How I'm surprised. I mean, I don't know. Last time it's been a while since I've done visual force PDFs and I've, I feel like I've struggled with it, not supporting like supporting very little CSS, like a, you know, like maybe, I don't know, a parts of CSS 2.1 and that was it. Yeah. And now they support the generated content for page media. Yeah. I mean, some big customers of theirs, I'm sure, like demanded at some point, which is why they added. No, that's it, been around for a while. It, it's just part of the library that they use for that. Yeah, it's, it's like the I, they used iText still. The, yeah. yeah, but or, it, it's an older version of it. They've never updated that version. Well, how does it support generated content for paged media? I don't know, but it did. It doesn't support a lot of CSS3 yeah. stuff, which, but what, that's one of the few things that it, I was able to get it to do. What sucks about that, there's, there's really no documentation on what that supports and what it doesn't. So you just have to just... Yeah, just, just hack it. away at it and just try stuff and just keep trying over and over and over and just keep billing time until you, you get it right, I guess. You know, it's like, <laughs> can we document what this can I get? a? I need a can I use yeah. for Salesforce's PDF generator and yeah. half of their other stuff, too. But yeah, they were supposed to update that technology, but it died because you, you know how the adva- there's like PDF advance or something. Uh, yeah, there's license. There was they were using the, like the free iText and it became well iText changed their license. Uh, this goes. This is like ten years ago, so my memories are vague. But they changed their license. It really screwed with Salesforce, and Salesforce probably didn't want to start paying for it. <laughs> so, so, so I think they had to. Switch. No, because they're still hurting for money. <laughs> ten billion, twenty billion. What are they up? Fifty billion now. Company. Who I knows? mean, they seem. I guess they're hurting for money. They still have to. You know, they're still having to cut costs and turn the screws. And I don't think they're hurting for money. I think they just think the investors want want to stop. I tr- I've been trying to warn for a very long time that you cannot run a business like this. Kicking the can down the road. And I, you know, I'm just I'm like, man, I, I don't I'm definitely no, like I'm no um, ec- economic expert or finance expert or anything like that. I'm just like, I don't see, I don't understand how these businesses can operate like this. It's just a whole class. That's why you're not a whole worth class $5 billion, dollars, Jeremy. Well, d- you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, because at some point, like at some point, the num- some numbers have to matter. Right. Or the business makes zero sense. But if you can say F it, and I'm just going to ride this until someone tells me I can't ride this anymore and just keep collecting millions and millions of dollars a year. Well, yeah. Why not? But yeah, so Salesforce also has, I guess, they're sunsetting. I didn't even know about this. There was a thing called Future Forum, which was a consortium that conducted quarterly surveys of 10,000 office workers on flexible and remote work. Mm, yeah. Um, but they canceled that whole program because Salesforce wants people to come back to the office now. So the, it was just, com- the program was promoting the exact opposite message that, you know, of, of return to office. Well, I think Salesforce originally wanted, not want, maybe not wanted, but I think they were, okay with the idea of people working remote it's a new way to work we're never going back john yeah. we're never going back to the old way is what is but what then, we were told but then quiet quitting happened and <laughs> it caused a lot of issues i don't even, I don't even know i'm not even going to say that's what it is i'm not i'm not oh, they're saying it is well they're saying since the pandemic productivity oh, has never yeah, been the same right 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 yep and then so and so few words they're basically saying people were quiet quitting 
They were doing just enough or yeah, people below. Have been, people have been quite quitting for a lot longer than be- I know, but <laughs> before the pandemic. The, the, what they're saying is that that for some reason people's mentality changed during that pandemic during that year, and they've just never come back to to being fully productive. Did you see Slack this afternoon? I posted this thing um, that shows, I guess, the Slack growth rates and Teams growth rates, and Teams is just on this tear. So I think they're Teams has now. 270 million daily active users, whereas Slack is at 20 million. Um, and so that's that's been shared shared around a lot the past several days. Um, but this guy reshared it, and he was like, basically, what uh, Salesforce has no strategy to position Slack or to compete with an office suite like Office 365 and Teams. Yeah. So I was just wondering, yeah, what is... What what do you what is what is our perception or our sense of what Salesforce's strategy is with Slack right now? Because the original, I guess, justification for the acquisition, because you know they paid. That, that's the other kind of thing to point out here is that uh, this guy says Slack was absolutely right to sell to Salesforce, um, because they sold it like their peak mm-hmm. market share and no oh, beyond and, the peak, peak and peak, the peak, you know, they peak. overpaid for it. Yeah. Um, but. Well, yeah, Slack at its momentum was at its peak momentum, but in terms of their valuation, yeah. Salesforce overpaid. But the message was, you know, this this is going to be. I mean, again, I'm old enough to remember when we were told that Slack will be the the UI of Salesforce. That will be the UI into Salesforce is Slack. Yeah, um, and then you know, lots of promises about just absolutely amazing integration between Slack and Salesforce, and they've they've, they've done some some integration stuff, you mm-hmm. know, but. Um, man, I, I don't know. I don't know about this. That Slack is the UI of Salesforce. I don't, know, I don't That doesn't seem to be happening. No. And I, you know, and again, I don't. I'm not sure what the uh, what the strategy is. I'm just wondering, like, what's John? This is ask John. Hey, John. <laughs> what's the strategy with Slack here? I don't think there is one. It's been reported that Benioff didn't get along with the former CEO, and that probably killed any kind of synergy mm. that could have happened. Mm. Uh, I think I think at that point Benioff was like Brett, you deal with it. I'm not dealing with this, and for some reason, nothing happened with it. Um, you know, I think I th- Microsoft is in an interesting position because they historically have strong armed their customers into buying their license suites that included all this stuff, and so they had access to all this stuff. So why go and pay for Slack? Uh, in cases where companies were using a combination of both, it was department heads saying, okay, well, yeah, we got this for free, but we think our team needs this, so we're going to pay for it at our department level, maybe not at a corporate level, for these things that we're, that we're using. And that could be a good inroad for companies. Mm-hmm. And Salesforce yeah. started out like that as well. Sure. Um, but it just it hasn't grown in feature set. It hasn't grown in capabilities. It's just stagnated. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've definitely added added features. Like, you, you now can have like a little a little uh, web page for each channel. You know, you can put oh, stuff in a little wow. wiki, a little wiki, a little wiki. Wow! Huh. Did you see? So Jody Miner, mm-hmm. um, she she did like a pretty vicious takedown of that feature the other day. She used it for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, she was posting on Twitter about it. I think. Oh. She was like, "Oh, so excited! It's got some cool things, but here are the deal breakers." And it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I I really haven't played with it. Yeah, and I don't know I'm, that they're interested. I'm basic. I'm a basic dude. I use it for chatting with people. Well, I mean, 
well, the strategy should. I don't have like been. Inter- I don't like psych integrations. Str- I, I don't. I literally hate them all, <laughs> <laughs> except for uh, the Giphy. That's my. I guess I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> the strategy should be um, pushing the the uh, call feature a lot more, the the huddle feature a lot more. But that huddle feature is not front and center. It's it's so an add on. And it feels like an add-on. I think it works pretty well, though. It does work pretty well, but I'm the controls kind of are horrible. But... How you join and how you leave is horrible. How you maximize or minimize your screen and it takes you out of the chat program is horrible. These other systems, like Teams and everything else, they have official applications. This is a web app running in Electron. <laughs> John, everything's a Electron app nowadays. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> There, these other companies that are doing Zoom and everybody else have OS builds for their tools that allow them to to present a much better interface for these mm. things. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I it's it's not bad, but we're talking about competing with Zoom and Microsoft and whoever well, else. Teams isn't great either. Teams is, I think, I think Slack has teams, a much better experience than Teams. Teams is already in organizations. That yeah. was Microsoft's no, play. That was Microsoft's way to get Teams. Well, that's in. the thing about it. Teams doesn't have to be better, right? Because it doesn't not. have to be. No, right, right. Whereas Slack does. Slack has to be better, right, than Teams, right. That's their only chance, and that just takes investment. And it I think that was the hope for Slack mean. internally. Slack was like, okay, we've hit our peak. We need we need more money to invest and make this what it could be. So they sold to Salesforce, and Salesforce did nothing with it. Hmm. They're just managing the decline. Know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, tell me what they're doing. I mean, I think the jury's still out. That's why I'm just. That's why I brought it up because it's going to be hard to innovate when all your engineers are scared of getting fired because they're on PIP right now. Yeah, which is what's happening. That's what's being reported. All the engineers are are either going to get laid off or put on PIP plans if they're not performing. Well, and, then, and what's the metric for performing? I don't know. How many get commits you do? Right. It doesn't sound like they're they're gauging them on innovation or R and D. No, people are saying that like yeah, a lot of the layoffs have have disproportionately affected Slack, and they also just closed the Slack office or they're closing the Slack office completely. But that's yeah, they're merging. But that makes it with sense. The tower. Of, well, because Salesforce has more office space than they could ever use. I mean, they're just in the news this week was their um. They're getting rid of a ton of office space in Chicago. I mean, obviously they're completely underwater in San Francisco on their and their. I mean, really, probably everywhere, but San Francisco is really, it's really sad. I mean, I've been reading some of the stuff that these, that like the uh, the business realist, commercial real estate people in San Francisco, and they're just, it's, it is really doom and gloom there. Oh, wow. That's sad. Yeah. That's going to take years. And, and the question is, I'll just use Benioff's own words again. We're never going back. Well, if we're never going back, how are we going to fix this real estate problem? Convert maybe we convert them maybe. into condos. More I was going to say maybe convert these empty office buildings into condos. So how's the homeless? No, right? Why not? They've done that. They've spent millions and millions over the years of they building housing. They haven't for spent homeless, enough, John. Not enough. It hasn't worked. They haven't spent enough. <laughs> All right, now you're just yeah. trying to poke at me because I was like, they've done that. They've been doing that. It has not has not resulted in the results they were hoping for. Oh, a chat GPT gets banned in Italy because mm. of privacy concerns. They, there's, they don't have a good enough answer on how it's protecting people's privacy. Oh, neither did TikTok, so. That's just uh, EU is going to EU, you know. Well, we're doing that to TikTok, too. It's, it's the same. It's a valid different. concern. 
Who owns that data and where does it sit? Well, that's true. Who owns the, the data that's sitting in some machine's brain? Not you. Can, can the government subpoena chat GPT to get information? Yes. And whose government can do that? They donn't have to subpoena Whose government can do time. it? That's the other question. Yeah, right. Oh. Yep. Uh, let's see if I had anything else I wanted to talk about. So it looks like Benioff made a, struck a deal with these activists investors, or at least, or at least the, one of them. Um, oh yeah, the deal is to focus on efficiency, and we'll back off on. Well, obviously that's taken over. Going to be board. part of the deal. I'm just, I'm just, I wish I knew what the details of that were, but those won't. Yeah, won't announced. Uh, people have been testing out this new integration, free integration license type. Yeah, I've been seeing which that. is cool. Um, there was a concern I saw in our Slack about um, whether you could, you know, restrict it to like you know, creating just certain types of objects or I think in this case of certain types of platform events. Like I just wanted to be able to create this one plat- type of platform event, not others. And, and mm-hmm. it's a profile or permission set just like anything else. So yeah, you, it should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that was confirmed. Although I'll remind people stop using profiles and move to permission sets. Yeah. You know, is that, is that just a hundred percent always the case? I mean, you, yes. you have to have a profile. You have to have a profile. Well, you have to have a profile, but in terms of security, stop using profiles for security. Hmm. 2024, I believe is when they're going to try to wean everyone I mean, off of it. But because you have a profile, you can't not use profiles. So profiles are always required to be a part of the mix. You oh, can also right. do it. I just mean for, for object level permissioning and things okay. like that. Yeah. Just permission set groups and permission sets. Try to modulize your functionality so that you can create. And really it's, don't go too crazy with granularity on your permission sets, but, you know, kind of create some modular buckets of functionality that you can group into a permission set and add those to your groups and manage your permissions that way. That way you'll be ready for the, for, for when they cut off permission access on the profiles. Yeah. Plus that's just a better way of rationalizing permissions. The other thing I, I mean, want- how many, how many times are these companies, I mean, you, you can go into a company and see they've created like a hundred profiles. Yeah. It's just crazy. Or you can have a small set of permission sets that give functionality that you can group together and then assign to groups. And as we discussed last time, complex security is poor security. Yeah, exactly. Um, But pop in the stack. I wonder if I'm I'm sure you can, because I think this license type, this integration, this free integration license type, I believe it has the attribute of. It's an integration only, or uh, sorry, API, API only. Is it API only? Yeah. So it's that's hard coded into it. It has to be API only. So you yeah. literally cannot go to the login page of Salesforce and log in with these. Right. Which probably means you can use them. So Salesforce added support for a new OAuth flow recently called client credentials. And it basically just allows the client app mm-hmm. to just using its key or ID and secret, not having to pr- pr- provide any actual user credentials whatsoever. Okay. And but so but you have to hard code in the in the when you, in the connected app in Salesforce you have to hard code if you're going to use that flow which user should it use right okay and that has all, now this is a new feature I was going to say it's always been this way but um, it has to be an API only user yeah which is kind of interesting I, I'm not sure what the reason for that is but I think Salesforce just really wants to force you to use that flow for what it's intended for. Which is yeah, shouldn't I, well, be I think some... it's intended to prevent you from sharing that access for a backend system with a user. Well, this, so this is before the free thing. You still, you know, I you know still that, are paying for it. Okay. But what I'm saying is that if, if, if I set it up and put my account in there 
and my account changes, then that's going to mess up that integration. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, so maybe it's just Salesforce trying to keep this for right or wrong. They kind of try to um, enforce behavior with these these little limitations Mm -hmm. that they they pull. Or discourage behavior. Yeah, they need to be be good little trailblazers. Yeah, the right thing. (laughs) Um, But But I uh, think another thing that enabled them to do this is is um, is the new security features in the SQL syntax. You know, the with you know, with user or run as user type scenarios where we're sure you might have an integration with a, with a single user account, but you can at least still contextualize it for a, a particular user if you needed to. Yeah, no, that would, that would help. Um, but no, I've been using this client credentials. It's, it works pretty well, but you do, um, yeah, you do have to, and you have to go into like the policy and set the set the user. And it has to be API only. I haven't tried it with this new free license after, but but if, as long as it's API only, it should it should work. So yeah, it seems reasonable. I have to test that out. Uh, and they're let's see. they're giving five. Is that right? Is that the number? Or do we it's know? five? Yeah, five per org. That's healthy. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, we. I, I really would like to see Salesforce not gatekeeping some of their their technology so much if they want to be a, a player as a platform Gotta i mean how many money. times Gotta have you thought money. about you know i want to use functions for this particular feature and i think it'd be great because it'd be hosted on the platform everything else only to know i my client can't afford well 2, i don't for, well i know you just randomly picked functions but i don't know what's going on with the functions right now i don't know either but it just seems like there's there's like in, in my argument with chat gbt people are experimenting and finding utility with it well, you can't experiment to find utility with functions because it's going to cost an arm and a leg to use it. There's no um, free tier with functions? I, I, I don't think there is. Okay. I mean, I think you can learn on it and you can experiment with it. I don't think you can put it in production. I just I just haven't had, um, I mean, as everyone knows, I haven't done near as much you know, work on the platform in the past few years. But um, I haven't had a use case that forced me to look at functions as the solution. I do like, I mean, just in theory, yeah. like on, on, you know, at face value, I like, I like functions and the idea of it mm-hmm. and the fact that it's, you know, it's polyglot and, you know, it runs on, you know, for, for whatever reasons, hard, hardware that's much easier for Salesforce to scale. So they can provide that to you at a reasonable cost, which now that has become, that has come into question, the cost, mm-hmm. I guess people are hitting just it, in some for a lot of cases this is not making cost sense too expensive it is so i don't know how we got on that uh it's too expensive yeah that's what i was looking for <laughs> <laughs> but no i do i do like the idea the idea of more uh, just better better a uh, facilities for running code that's not apex yeah because i feel like we can i mean i feel like so many of us complain about that for the longest time like ah we need to do bigger jobs and these dumb limits and crappy language like get let us work in a better language and and let us scale up and charge us if we scale up charge us for what we use that's what i've been asking for that forever what have i always said about salesforce they don't scale they limit well this is an opportunity where they're like hey we're gonna scale we're gonna let you scale you're gonna pay for it let you scale yeah but that's and i don't know if it's just lack of confidence in their own technology or what but they gatekeep with this these pricings that they do i mean they they essentially say well if you really want to use it 
you know, you got to pay for it. Yeah. And then it never gets traction because there's not enough audience using it like, and one, it just dies. One thing that's been big for me is like Salesforce connect. Um, it, it, I've never been able to use it because it is just too expensive. Yeah. I think it's per connector. So like, if you want to do connect to like something that's exposing like an O data is, is one thing mm-hmm. you can connect. Um, I think it's 50 grand a year for that. Wow. Um, and it's, that's per connection. So fifty grand per connection. Four, I think it's four. Maybe it's four, four grand a month is how they price it. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, it, it, what's and you know, they, Salesforce has to do some kind of averaging where they figure, okay, if we charge that amount of money, sure, a lot of our customers won't use very much of it, and we'll be fine. But a lot of them are going to use the crap out of it, and it's going to cost us so much in bandwidth and storage and or whatever. Probably not storage since it's you're not using. Uh, but is it is it the wrong mentality? I, mean, I don't know. Isn't the point to be sticky to get more of your your customers operations on your platform well i mean one thing maybe maybe salesforce is like okay we know we can charge this amount and not lose our shirt so let's charge this amount um and and the other benefit to our customers because salesforce i think has got their customers accustomed to fixed predictable pricing that's a problem Whereas every day you hear yeah. about you know people running up their aws bill without knowing it Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's the pros and cons of, so of the different like, models. No, it's just like if someone wants you to build something, they're like, hey, John, I want you to build this, but I need a fixed cost. What are you going to do? You're going to. I hope you have a server to run it on. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying you're you're going to charge an amount. You're going to quote me an amount that is a v- very safe number for you. That oh, you're sure. definitely yeah. going to make money. Right? Yeah. Even yeah. if things go wrong, like how much do I need to charge this guy so that I make sure that I don't lose money on the deal? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what fixed pricing is all about, I mean, mm-hmm. in some ways. But I feel like, you know, I mean, just with the cloud, right, everyone in some, I don't know, not everyone, I guess, but I mean, in a lot of cases, like, you really want usage-based billing. Yeah, and I guess the cynical side of me says that Benioff likes fixed contracts so they can play with those gap numbers. It is literally an asset. It's yeah. a massive asset that, yeah. they, that they have traded on for 15 years. Mm-hmm. We we watch them every quarter. Yeah, that's just me being cynical. <laughs> um, yeah, but obviously, I mean, it's it worked for them. They're worth billions of dollars, and I'm not. So yeah, I mean, they're you know they've created a huge valuable company. I mean, but again, it this all goes back to zero interest rates for for 13 years. It it just distorted it distorted all the markets, mm-hmm. equity markets, bond markets all the financial markets it's like everything got distorted by that yeah and now we're rubber banding back the other direction oh, john we should wrap this show up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm getting depressed um so yeah we do get this we did get this label printer working i haven't not printed stickers yet but um I w- we will be getting a batch of stickers out soon so if you want to get in that just shoot us an email info at gooddaystartpodcast.com it's not me this time no, it's not. We're not waiting on John. Um, what 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 do you, what are your closing thoughts, John? Anything you want to leave us with? No, no, nope. No, I'm thoroughly depressed now. <laughs> I think we had very fun conversation. Fine. I mean, not not that our conversation wasn't fun, but our topics. I don't know if any of them elevated to a point of levity. No, this has been a this is this is a this is a little bit of a scary time right now. Yeah, in lots of ways. Yeah, and so I think we're all just feeling our way through it. I feel like all my laughing hey. was done at, at nervously, but know, exactly. Like, oh, I know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I don't know what to say to that. I'm right. just gonna laugh. Yeah, 
Well, that's what part of what this community is all about. It's a good day sir community. We're going to figure that we'll, we'll work through this, figure it out. Try to rationalize it, make sense out of it. Taking one step forward, every baby steps, I guess. Yeah. So you can't do. Yep. All right. Well, I know what else. Uh, yeah. Come join our Slack if you're not in. Speaking of that, www.gooddaysforpodcast.com and click on community or just get someone else to add you that's already in. Mm-hmm. That works too. Yep. All right, John, take us out. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.